good morning, everybody. I bet you can't guess what my favorite part of that video is. The cat dies. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. That's horrible. That's horrible. But no, it's good having y'all here today. I'm highly allergic to cats, so that's why I'm allergic. I'm, 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 I'm having a aversion to them. But, but man, it's good having all you here today. Today is the launching of our freeway series. This is a series that literally was about this time last year that we as a staff began looking at it and saying this is something we felt we as a body should go through. And over the last year or so, we've had a lot of growth here numerically at the church. But who cares if we grow numerically if we don't go deeper? Amen? And you can't go deeper when there's things under the surface that you're not dealing with. And so this whole series allows us to be able to walk in authenticity and to allow God to take care of some of the things deep in there. And so the series is called Freeway. It's built around this wonderful idea of journey groups or small groups. And during the next seven weeks, starting this week, we're calling them freedom groups because we believe they're going to be an environment where freedom is going to manifest in your lives. And so over the next few weeks, you will have an opportunity to come here on Sunday mornings and hear a sermon. And as you leave sometime that week, get yourself involved in a small group. Now, we're making it easy to do that. When you leave today, if you don't have this book already, go out into the foyer and our rep out there will get this in your hands. They're $15. We don't want that to be an objection to anybody. But they are $15. If you can afford that, great. If you can't, ma'am, please let us know. No worries. No harm, no foul. We want you to take part in this. And each week, we'll teach on something like today. And then tonight, for my group, it's meeting tonight, we'll go through that first chapter together. Um, and then that will continue on throughout the rest of the series. So we want you to get your hands on this. We sold out last week. Amen? That's awesome. I'm serious. I was so excited. We had to buy more. And so I believe that many, many, many people are going to be a part of this. It's not just a book. It is a workbook. You'll see as you get it, there's things for you to do throughout the week and, and such. So it's going to be something that keeps us on page as we work through the six steps of freedom. They already went through those today, but awareness, discovery, ownership, forgiveness, acceptance, and then finally, freedom. And the goal of this resource and of our time together over the next seven weeks is twofold. One, to discover who God created us to be. Amen? It all starts there, doesn't it? Doesn't, I don't know about you all. For me, that's where the devil attacks me. Ross, you'll never amount to anything. I can't tell you how often I felt that. And that was affirmed by a lot of people. Okay? And I'm even to the point in high school where I decided I'm not going to go into ministry because there's just no way. I'm such a mess up. How in the world could I ever do the work of the Lord? Because, Ross, you're a mess up. Right? Say something. I need to hear you say something like, Ross. Say, say this. Say, Ross. It's going to be okay. But I'm being honest. That was a bondage. In my latter years of high school, felt called to preach since I was 10. And in my latter years of high school, felt like, how in the world will I ever keep it together to be in ministry, and then I realized it's not about you keeping anything together, amen? It's about being authentic and open to Jesus and saying, yeah, Jesus, if you can use a mess up, can you possibly <laughs> Can you possibly use me, you know? And um, for 24 years, I've enjoyed the, the work of the Lord in ministry. It's been an amazing season, amazing time. And, um, and guess what? Can I tell you to be quite honest? That doesn't bug me as much anymore, but there's other things that are under the surface, that Jesus wants to deal with Ross on. Amen? And there's things under the surface that Jesus wants to deal with you on. And so the first thing is who we are in Christ. But the second thing is that we would find a process to freedom. We would find a pathway 
to freedom. And I, and I believe that together we can do that. And as you can see on our slide, it's a, a not-so-perfect guide to freedom. You know, why? Because we're not so perfect people and you have not so perfect leaders. And so if you're okay with my imperfection, but you're not satisfied that I walk in that, and I'm okay with your imperfection, but I'm not satisfied that you walk in that, I have a feeling that we can spurn each other on to greatness, amen? That we can push each other toward freedom, that we can encourage each other. And and here's one, console each other. Because there's going to be times that freedom, you stumble in it. It's not there yet, and you're going to struggle, and you're going to have issues and difficulties, but I have this feeling that together we can get there. And so that's why these small groups are so important. And so we want you to do two things during this series. Number one, I would love if you could not miss a single Sunday, if possible, as we gather together to hear these teachings. If for some reason you have to miss, please go back and listen to the podcast that week. Okay, so that's the first thing. Get the word from Sunday in you each week of this series. The second thing is get into a small group, all right? If you're not in a small group, What you can do is a few things. One, you can go out to the table and let them know you want to start a micro group. That's you and a couple of friends, you know. Um, I'll I'll just say Kayla. It's so nice to have you today. And so Jen and Kayla and Hannah say, hey, or Crystal say, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to make a small group during this. Boom, there's a group. That's three people. That's four people. that's, That's awesome. What we need you to do with that is let them know at the table, get your books, and then go on our app on the phone. You guys have seen our app before, a Momentum app. And sign up under microgroups there. That will give Pastor Brantley everything he needs to get you the training you need to lead that small group. And there's really not a ton that you need, okay? We have a couple of videos and a sheet of information. That's it. It's kind of a self-facilitating kind of, I'm even leading a group tonight, all right? All right? So, so it's, it, it, we all can do this. So that's the first thing. If you're already in a journey group, you already know about this. Your group is on board with this. And so you just continue on with your journey group. But let them know that out at the table. We want to know how many people are involved with this. And then the next one is tonight. If, if you um, don't have a group and you're a little nervous about going to folks' house, um, you can come here to the church. And downstairs in our multi-purpose room, I'll be leading a group down there, okay? So it we'll, makes it real easy. That one's at 530 tonight. Um, there is no child care, though. So other groups have child care. This one doesn't. I have five children, and I'm leaving them at home. Okay, so this is my solace with you guys. This is my break. And so, no, but, but please come out if you don't have a group and you want to do that. Um, all those options are, are great, all right? If you're still confused, just there's even a sign-up sheet out there that's just a, I don't know where, just put me somewhere. And we'll help get you hooked up with somebody that will be really, really good for you, okay? And so that's that. Um, if you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. There's... As we start this, there's three groups, in a sense, that we're speaking to today and in this series. And I don't want one group to discount themselves, so I want to speak forth these three groups right off the bat so you can hear you in this, because you're in this, all right? Every one of us in this room is in this. And, um, and here's the first group. The first group is those in the church, in the room, that, that you're not a Christ follower. I mean, you, you would definitely say, I know, I don't really believe in Jesus, I'm not sure if I trust the Bible. I don't even know if I like you, preacher. I, I get that, okay? And momentum is a place for you. It's a place for you to kick the tires on faith, to discover that God himself will make himself known to you, okay? We'll teach principles, but God himself will show himself to be real to you over time. And we are just thankful you're here. Amen, momentum? Aren't we thankful they're here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We're thankful that God has brought you to a place that you can begin to discover. So that's the first group. The second group of people that this series is going to be good for are those who are early in their faith. Those who are just newly developing their, 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 their theology, their, their um, um, trust in Jesus, their faith, all those things. Yeah, little, little Cassie raising her hand. Praise the Lord, you know. And so, and I love that story, you know. I got to meet Miss Jolly, her grandmother, just walking through the neighborhood over here across the street last fall. And, and um, who would have thought just uh, nine months later that her granddaughter would walk through across the same path and come here and get saved a few weeks ago, you know. I love it. Your grandma's one of the sweetest little ladies ever. She's amazing. But, but, but basically, um, um, when it comes down to it, that's that second group, that growing relationship. And that third group are those who are mature in their faith. Like I said, that's something I battled 27 years ago um, in my high school years. But then, man, that gets, I get victory over that. But, but, man, so many other things. I don't care how much you've grown in your faith. Always there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a hurt, a habit, and a hang-up. There's going to be something that tries to pull you down and make you less than God's called you to be. Something that tries to disqualify you from the party. You know? I don't know about you. I know looking at me, you're probably like, yeah, that guy got disqualified from a lot of parties in high school. Can I, can I come to your party? Yeah, yeah. It hurts. It don't feel good, you know. And uh, when it comes down to it, man, the enemy of our lives would love to disqualify us from the party, from the things that God has. Man, and there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Because God's got something for us. Amen. Let me say it again. God has something for you. Yes, he does. And the enemy would love to rob and steal and kill and destroy and take that from you. And man, for us as a church over the next few weeks, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's going to be folk that aren't going to come. And here's what they're going to say. Well, I don't really want to get into this series. You know, or I really don't, you know, I don't want to go to the journey groups, so I'm not going to go to Sunday mornings because I'm not going to be going to the journey groups. Or I don't care how you discount it. Can I just tell you right off the bat? It's the devil. That's going to tell you that. I'm just being honest. Well, pastor, you just want to have full seats. Well, no, I want to have full hearts and full lives. And I really believe together over the next seven weeks, God's going to give us that. Amen? And when that series is over, you, you, I, I don't have to see you till February. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We do want to see you. And so when it comes down to it, we're all growing. Because this series connects with all three of those groups. And the reason why is because we all, we all want to be free. Amen? We all want to live authentically. We all want to live the way God has intended us to live and, and see ourselves in the light of the eyes of Jesus, how he sees us. And, and the truth of the matter is we all have stuff that we deal with. I mean, every single person in this room, you have a story of both beauty and of pain, right? Of victory and of defeat. No one can escape either of those, 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 those sides, you know. And every one of us, if we're not careful, we often lack transparency that is required to walk through life with a sense of honesty with ourselves and a sense of honesty with others to where God's word will take root in us and change us. And man, for the next seven weeks, we're just kind of pushing through that, you know. If we're honest with ourselves, we all cover up our scars at times and we try to look squeaky clean and get our, our pomade in just right and our, get our hair just perfect, you know. It's on point, I know. But still, we all try to give that image, you know, right? We all do that. But the truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, uh, what is the reality is far from our Instagram photos and our Facebook posts. And, and, man, there's something underneath. There's some, everybody just say this word, say crud. 
there's some crud underneath that we need to deal with. You know, we try to drive nice cars and wear nice clothes and all those kinds of things, but sometimes all that we do, it just, even though things don't look disheveled, it, 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 down at the root of everything, we have damaged hearts that we're trying to hide, you know? And I, I just believe we don't have to live in that anymore, amen? I just believe that there's a freedom that we can possess from our past. There's a freedom we can possess from the trials of even our future, our, our right now, or, or our present, the, the enemies that we deal with, the memories we deal with, all those things. There is hope. And that answer for hope is this. Listen, everybody. God loves you. Well, now that's pretty juvenile. That's pretty simple. I know. That's why kids get the kingdom. Amen? Because they do have that simple heart. Jesus, let me be a kid again. Let me, let me, little kids have no pretense. They don't try to hide anything. And if they do, they don't do a good job of hiding anyhow. It's like, you know, it's like you, you know everything that's going on. They have none of that. Man, that's why kids get the kingdom. There's such an openness about God. Let us be that way, you know. I mean, that God loves you, and he doesn't love the sanitized you. He doesn't love the spipped-up version of you. He doesn't love that, 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 that you that you present. No, no, he loves, he loves you, you, period. All your flaws, that, 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 that funky, thick toenail, he loves it all, all right? I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? Let me ask you a question, and we are going to get to the word. We've got a big section of word to get to, but let me ask you a question. Have you, how many here ever sold something on, on, like, Craigslist, like a piece of furniture maybe? Anybody sold? And before, it looks good. You're like, man, I can make some money on that. That's how it first starts. Do I need to take this to Goodwill, or can I make some money on that? And you're looking at going, yeah, there's a time in my life I'd buy that, you know? And so you put it on Craigslist. But before you put it on Craigslist, no matter how good it looks, it's a couch. You've got to look underneath the cushions. So you start to pull things back. I don't care how clean of a person you are, how clean your house is. You start to pull stuff back, and, and, and you find to the um, 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 uh, chagrin of your soul even, there's stuff under there that ought not be there, you know. You find that you probably should have donned this here, you know, as you went in. Look at this, this slide here. You probably should have put this on as you went in to deal with the situation, you know. Because there's some stuff under there that, that, that Grant Allen Wiseman left when he was seven, and he's almost 15, and it's got hair growing on it, you know? Almost as tall as he is. I mean, this thing here has grown up in the couch, whatever it is. And, and so that's the thing. It's like there's that crud, you know, that we all have. We almost need like a hazmat suit, that thing that for a long time that you were sitting on that looked good on the surface, but below the surface it was full of crud, right? We've all seen that before. That the thing that looked fine, but our hearts, we looked fine out here, but inside, deep down, we were nothing but fine. There was a lot of crud that we were dealing with. There are many of us in this room who are trying to live our lives as if we're free, but we're not. And beneath the surface, there's that crud. And we put a great picture out there. People see what we want them to see. But, man, we know when we put our heads on the pillow at night, we know the stuff that we are dealing with. And so, listen, if you can't let go of that past, if you can't have a desire to move forward in God, you'll never be able to move into the future that God has for you. If you're holding on to the crud and not having a desire to find freedom for it, man, it's going to get in the way of what God has for your future. So how do you know if you're having trouble letting go of the crud, letting go of that past? How do you know? I'll tell you how. You keep making the same mistakes in your life over and over again. That's how. 
You keep having the same failures over and over again. You keep having the same struggles over and over again. The mindset that you know is one that is of deception. You know the enemy's lying to you. I know this isn't what God is telling me, but I can't help but own it over and over again. And so there comes a point where you've got to move forward. You've got to let go and move forward of what God has. And here's the thing about it. As, as a believer in Christ, Jesus did not set you free just dying on the cross, and that's all he wanted to do was to, to allow you to go to heaven someday. You know, he had a brutal death. He, he rose from the dead, but he did all of that, not so that you could spend the rest of your life as a slave. He didn't do it for that reason. He, 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 he did all of that. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Bible says that he sets you free, and those that are free are free. Come on, free indeed. Right? And so that's the intention of Jesus is to bring us out of captivity. You've heard me say many times through the years. He gives us the victory and leads us out of Egypt. And then he takes Egypt out of us. And that takes a season in the wilderness. The Lord's beginning to stir my heart for our sermon series in January. I'm not going to give you too much of a hint. But man, there's that season that it's time to come out of the wilderness and possess the land. Amen? And that's what we're, we're leading into here with this freedom, with this freedom series. You know, Jesus died so you could be free. So over the next seven weeks, we're looking at different stories and different passages in the Bible. And we're going to take a journey together. And as we take this journey together, we're going to find that way to be free. The series is called A Free, everybody say freeway. That's what it's speaking of, that way to be free. It gives us six principles, six steps toward freedom. And we'll first begin that first step next week, but today I'm, I'm wanting to talk about us be feeling discounted because of the crud, and us feeling as if we don't deserve to come to the party, or I've tried this before, Ross, and I didn't change. Will God even care if I try again? God wants you to try again. God wants you to come home, amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to read a passage of scripture. This is in Luke chapter 15, and as you turned your Bibles, you've probably figured out what we're going to look at. It's the story of the prodigal son, probably one of the most famous, you know, stories in history when it comes to the idea of wrongdoing and redemption and restoration. And I'm just going to read it straight through. We're going to run in verse 11. And he said this, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. This is a Jewish boy, raised kosher. Nothing worse than eating pigs would be working with pigs, right? I mean, just... just I mean, this is, he's getting to the bottom of his barrel. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, another version says, when he came to his senses, all right, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, and I'll go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, I love that. What a huge, huge break in that. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father called his servants. Come on, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're not worthy. I don't care. We're going to have a party. You're coming home. I love that. Ah, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. And he says to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. And now there was an older son who was in the field, and as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this young, this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, over the next few minutes as we finish this, Lord God, just show us some principles and truths that would cause us to be stirred in our heart to the degree that we would seek you, that we would come home to you, that we would place our hearts at the altar before you and say, Jesus, if you can set me free, set me free. I'm not running anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. Now, at the beginning of this chapter, there's a series of parables that we see spoken of. And at the beginning, it gives the audience that these parables are being spoken to. I won't have you turn to it, but the first verse says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. And then he goes into a whole set of parables, ending there with the prodigal son story. And um, what I love about this is there's two sets of people, all right? So the first set of people are the religious. It's the Pharisees and the scribes. These are the people that love theology, okay? They're going to tell you where you missed it and how you're doing it wrong every single time. You don't have to be in their company too long before you're going to be feeling pretty bad, okay? How many ever had people like that? And you just want to go, can't you be happy for me? Last week I was doing this, and now I'm in a church house. And, and, but you're still running and throwing that in my face, you know. And so you have the Pharisee and the scribe. They literally love theology, and they say they love God, but you can't tell from their lifestyle that they love people at all, right? And then you have another group of people that are gathering around Jesus, this other audience that's hearing this message about the prodigal son, and that's the sinners. And in in, 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 um, 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 Greek, when it says sinners there, it actually means this, notorious sinners. It wasn't just any kind of sinners. These were like the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and so on and so on and so on. These are notorious. These guys know how to sin and sin good, okay? Can you imagine the religious, you know, looking at these people that are gathering around Jesus? That's the people that need Jesus. That's who Jesus wants to have a party for. 
I've always loved that story where Jesus talked about the man having a party and go invite people. And he invites all these people. and Everybody's too busy to come. And they're all too self-righteous to come. And, and so finally, go to the highways and byways. And he invites the beggars and the poor and the hurting and the sick. And that's who comes to the house. And they have a party for Jesus. Man, that's, that's awesome. You know? Those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that need freedom. Jesus, man, he's like, come on, welcome. And so that's the two things that we see here, the two groups of people they're talking to. There's another thing at play here, and it's this Middle Eastern father, okay? It's this Jewish daddy. And there's some things about Middle Eastern daddies that Middle Eastern daddies don't do, all right? How many of your daddy, there were some things your dad wouldn't do? Like, like, like your dad would not maybe drive a Ford, you know. Now, I know this sounds silly, but I've told you guys this before. My dad was a hairstylist and a pastor, but my dad would not cut hair at our house. Uh-uh, he's like, I think hair's nasty. I'll keep that at the shop. There ain't no way I'm cutting hair at the house. Mm-mm, my dad wouldn't do that, you know. And, yes, I know that takes my street cred um, fighting-wise in the streets down. I understand that. You've heard me say that before, you know. It's like, my daddy, I whoop your daddy. Well, my daddy will tease your daddy's hair, you know. <laughs> That joke never gets old. <laughs> Momentum folk that have been here for years, I'm sorry. That had to be the 20th time you've heard that, but that just cracks me up. But there's things that your daddy won't do, you know. My daddy won't wear shoes. I'll say that. So although he was a hairstylist, he was a boot wearer, not a hairstylist. <laughs> he was. He wears cowboy boots everywhere he goes, you know. And so whatever that is, but there's things Middle Eastern daddies don't do. And one of those things that they'll never do is they will not divide their estate early. At this point, the tradition of how you divided estates was set thousand years before. And the tradition was that you're on your deathbed, you bring your kids in, you lay hands on the kids, you confer blessing on the kids, and the oldest gets the majority of the property. He gets his reward, and then you give on down. You don't get it early, okay? So when this young kid is coming to dad and saying, I want the portion of my estate now, do you know what it was like saying that to a Middle Eastern father? It was like this, dad... I want you to die. That's literally what that meant. I mean, Dad, give me what I should get when you die. I don't care about you. I wish you were dead now. And since you're not dead now, give me my stuff now, and then I'm going to leave. He had no intentions on ever coming back home, you know. So a Middle Eastern father would never, ever, ever have divided his estates. No way. It's impossible. And Jesus is already sending a very neat early signal in this story that this Middle Eastern father represented here is not no ordinary father. <laughs> Amen? This, this, this Jewish daddy is cut from a different stuff. This Jewish daddy has a different kind of heart. And but the son, anyhow, he takes the cash, he hits the road, everything's going great. I mean, he's born to be wild, you know, he's got Steppenwolf in his head, he's just killing it. And, um, and next thing you know, he realizes the wild lifestyle starts to cost you something. And he begins, after a season of a big party, in a sense, he begins to be str- struggling. He's violated his morality, he's violated his, his kosher upbringing, he's violated so many things. And now he's living, and he once was living large, but now he's living in a way to where he's starting to find bondage, you know. It wasn't the freeway. It wasn't long before he was broken, he was penniless. And literally bankrupt, right? And he ends up in the pig, with the pigs. And some of you, literally right now, you are in the pig pen of life. I don't know what that might be, but you realize there's things you're doing that you never thought you would ever do. There's, there's thoughts you're having that you never thought you would have. There's decisions you're making that you never thought 
you would decide. And it's leading you toward this idea of having to do your existence less than God's intention. And I don't say that as any form of condemnation. And here's the reason why is because no matter where you're at in that spectrum, I mean, you could go all the way over here where you are doing something that's literally illegal, okay, not just immoral, illegal, to all the way over here where you're just wrestling with thoughts and temptations, but the thoughts and temptations make you feel so less in the eyes of God that you don't pursue God like you should because you just feel like, I'll never get past this. You know, I want this to be engaged, my heart, but man, my, my head, I struggle with it so much. And so I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but listen, when it comes down to it, you know, know this, what you don't know is that th- though you are in that place, all right, that's the place where God can do a miracle. It's in that place where he was broke and hungry, and it was in that place where the Bible says he came to his senses. And so that's all I'm asking today is for all of us to come to our, ex- our senses, You'll never experience the freeway in your life until you come to that humble moment of brokenness, that humble moment where you come to your senses. And Jesus, our Father, God, has always been looking. He's always been wondering. He's never left. You come to that point where you ask yourself, why would I have ever walked away from my father's house? What, 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 what I wouldn't do to get back to do those things over again. What would I wouldn't do if, if I could have that chance in that relationship again? Or that, maybe that job again? Or whatever it might be. What, I know it was my wrongdoing, my lack of freedom that robbed me of that. What, God, I'd do anything to get back there. What I wouldn't give to have that fresh, that fresh start. And you feel fresh out of options. And this man did the same. He felt out of options. So he turns to his father. And now listen, what he doesn't know is that the very day that he left, that very moment he left, his father had been scanning the horizon every day. His dad had been watching and waiting for him to come home, you know. And listen, here's the second thing that a Middle Eastern dad would never do. A Middle Eastern dad, a respectable Middle Eastern man, he would never run in public. I was talking to a fireman this week. We were helping Jennifer Gregg move, and and this young young man, um, Gerard, he's a fireman, and he said, if my family sees me running, something's wrong. He goes, I don't need to run. He was a military guy, served several tours over in the, the dirt and in the sand. And, and um, he said, when, when you were running, something was wrong, you know. And um, the same way, a Middle Eastern daddy, you didn't see a Middle Eastern daddy. But now this boy is a long way off, and daddy sees him. And next thing you know, <laughs> dad hikes up his robe, you know. And he starts running, and his sandals are flopping. And he's just hair blowing, back, beard all sideways, you know. I mean. Got whatever chains he's got. They're just, I mean, it's like, I got to get to my boy. Middle Eastern dads don't do that. But this is no ordinary dad. Come on, somebody. This is no ordinary Middle Eastern daddy, you know. And if you remember nothing else that I say today, remember this right here. If you will just stop running, God will start running to you. Just stop running. And God comes running to us. Amen. And so the final thing here that a Middle Eastern father would never do is he would never throw a party for a son that had blown his inheritance. It would not happen, all right? It's just not going to happen. Actually, even if the, husband, the father passed away and that inheritance was passed down and the son squandered that inheritance in bad business deal or in just riotous living, whatever it may be, there was a tradition that they would do in the Middle East where they would take clay 
vases or jars. They'd put rocks in them or they'd put nuts in them, okay? And then people in the community would come to your house and a public show of shame upon you, they would take that and they would break that vase in front of your house to shame you. And it wasn't just your family. It would be others in the community. They're in that little tribe, that little area. They would smash that. And basically, you have broken our trust just as we have broken this before you. It was a sign of that, you know. So it's the exact opposite. They're not going to throw a party for the kid that messes up. They're going to shame the kid. And a lot of people, I think, that kept them from doing stupid things, you know. But you can't live under shame and walk in freedom. That's, that, that's not freedom either. That fear of, of retribution from an angry God, that won't let you walk in freedom. That's, that's not truth. And this Middle Eastern father Jesus uses to give us a great picture of what it looks like. Because Jesus, in this story, he throws this great twist into it. And what they expect a Middle Eastern father to do is to bring shame upon that kid. But in this moment, the father says, bring the best robe, put a ring on his finger, get some sandals on his feet, kill some animals, we're going to eat meat, glory to God. You know, barbecue time. Let's grill some steaks tonight, you know. Invite the entire community, he says. That same community that was kind of customary to come and shame this kid. No, no, no. Invite the whole community because we're going to have a feast and we're going to celebrate. Why? Because my son that was dead is now alive and my son that was lost is now found. Woo, party! Yeah. That's awesome. Total flip. Can you see the Pharisees and scribes' veins popping out of their throat right now as they hear this story? It's like, that can't be the Messiah, you know? There's no way. Ah, yeah, it's so good. The father, he had every reason, every reason to be resentful. But the father says to the people, come on out of the house. And instead of smashing vases, we're going to drink wine. And instead of spilling nuts and rocks all over the driveway, we're going to eat the meat of the calf. Instead of cutting off relationship with my son, we're going to celebrate my son that was lost who's been found. This father has every reason to be resentful. He could have been like, what, you're going to come home now after you blew it all? You know, Oive, are you serious with this? Are you kidding me? Your life is ruined. Your life's ruined now. You've ruined my family. And now you want me to forgive you? You could hear this, but that's not what he did. He ran to him, and he didn't put demands on him. And he didn't ask for an explanation. He didn't give him a lecture. He didn't seek repayment. He forgave him, and he restored him. And in the words of a politician that some of us struggle with, on either side, whether you like him or you don't, it was beautiful. It was huge. I'm serious. It's awesome. I love it. And so the Pharisees, the notorious sinners, they had to be thinking, this is no ordinary Middle Eastern daddy. This is no ordinary father. And Jesus is saying to every one of us in this story, this is what your heavenly father is like. This is what God is like. He offers you life in a much freer way. If you'll just stop running, he'll run to you. And listen, this, I'm going to say this, and when I say it, you're going to go, but I thought we were almost done, and we are. Listen to four quick things we see in this daddy. Number one, God loves you when you make unwise choices. All right? Anybody, everybody here, we've all made unwise choices in life. And with that, some of the biggest pains we have in life come from those unwise choices. But even because of those, this story shows us that he's never stopped loving us. That's good, amen? 
The second thing, God loves you even when you're in the middle of your mess. But, but, but I'm still struggling in this sin. I know. So does he. He's waiting, looking. Where's my boy? Where's he, is he coming? I want to run to him. I'm just waiting for him to stop and come my way a little bit. And I'll meet him halfway. I don't, he didn't have to come all the way home. He just had to come and turn toward home and start walking toward home. And daddy went running to him. And so God loves you when you're in the middle of your mess. He stands, Jesus, literally eyeball to eyeball with these notorious sinners in the city who everybody would have said, you fail and you fail and you fail again. These scandalous sinners in the crowd. And in the midst of that, he announces to everybody, listen, anybody who has some failures in their life, whether they're moral failures, financial failures, marriage failures, business failures, parenting failures, in essence, he says, God loves you even in the midst of your failures, even in the midst of your, your mess. Number three, God loves you while he waits for you to come home. Never stops. Some of you are in the pen right now, that pig pen. And you think, I can't go back. God loves you right there. He loves you. This is why the Bible says he's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, everyone to turn and come home. Here, here's where the rub is, though, okay? God can't bring you home. He can't unless you begin to turn. He, he waits patiently, and he waits for you to stop running. When you stop running, when you do that, he begins to run to you. Today is a day that we stop running and we say, Jesus, we need freedom in our lives. And we're going to come to your altar. Whether that's physically, if you want to come to this altar, we're going to sing you here in a minute. Or whether that's spiritually, just in your heart, God, I'm coming before you. But we stop running. And the final thing, we let this soak in real good. God loves you not because you're good, but because he's an amazing father. That boy was bad. Amen? Bad. Bad to the bone. Okay, so I'm sorry. But he was. But he loves us not because we're good, but because he's an amazing father. On the day that the son stops running, the father runs to him. And you notice he didn't put any conditions on that. He just ran to him. And so here's the thing. You're sitting here today going, I want to go to a journey group. I want to do this, Ross. But, man, let me get a bath first. Let me clean up first. Let me do this first. Let me do that first, and then I'll go. Or I, I want to come to faith. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer in Christ. And this sounds all so appealing that Jesus will accept you just as you are. But let me do this first. Let me do that first. And this man was in a pig pen. How many's ever worked in a farm before? Anybody? Wow. I am from Ohio. Okay. So, yeah. Um, this is not Ohio. I see that. But, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, man, you, you work with pigs. Guess what you smell like? stank you smell like pigs horrible awful 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 and the man didn't go oh boy you go get yourself washed first and then i'll embrace you oh that's pig you've been in the pig pen man there's no way i'm kosher you're not holy i can't touch you no 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 he doesn't wait for you to get cleaned up he's an amazing father it wasn't because you were good you know, he didn't say, get that earring out of your hair or cut your hair or do this or do that or whatever it might be, you know. He just got a hold of him. And so some of you may think, I, I can't come to God or I can't participate in the groups because I need to clean up first. No, no. What do you think? If people knew me, they wouldn't love me? No, no, no. God loves you just the way you are right now, and he'll help you become who he wants you to be as you run toward him. Let's stand to our feet. That's what this whole story reveals to us. God's love is like no ordinary father. God's love, when you make unwise choices, he still loves us. God loves you when you fail. God loves you while he waits for you to come home. God loves you not because you're good, but because he's no ordinary father. And, and listen, the last thing, when, when we do come home, when we 
come home, our Father, I love this about this Father, Heavenly Father, He immediately runs toward us. You need today to know God's going to run to you today. Amen? That's how much He loves you. He, he immediately, this Father, when you run and you come home, He immediately forgives us. When, when we come home, our Father, He immediately celebrates us. And so today, wherever you're at, that new believer, that person that needs to come to faith in Christ today, that person that's maturing or that person that's been growing in Christ for years, we need to come home to him in a sense. Allow Jesus to do his work in us. I'm going to close with this story and we're going to worship and then we'll dismiss here in a little bit after this worship song. But there was a Spanish father, it's just kind of a fable, and this Spanish father, his son, much like the prodigal, had got angry and had run away. And the last words though, difference in the story. The father, the last words were very harsh and very mean and I don't want you anymore. If you're going to leave, don't ever come back, etc. So the young boy leaves and years go past. And the father's heart is heavy and it's broken. He realizes he's done wrong and he wants his boy but he doesn't know where to find his son. So he goes to the newspaper there in Madrid and he puts a big ad and the ad says this, Dear Paco, please meet me this Saturday in front of the newspaper office at 12 noon, all is forgiven. I love you, your father. The story goes that at 12 noon, he's there outside those offices, and at that time, 800 Pacos show up. <laughs> looking to be loved. Desiring the love of their father, because that's what we all want. Don't let the devil lie you. We all want to be loved. We all want to know that we matter. Deep down, all of us want the love of the Heavenly Father. And I just want you to know that you have it. He loves you. And when you stop running, He'll run to you. God is always ready to run towards you, even when you're running away. The party's going to begin. Amen? We need you to run to Him. And then the celebration starts. Amen? Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.